Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, thanks for joining me today. This is Allison Kay, and this is Disruptive CEO Nation. And I am going to talk with a guest who's going to cover one of my favorite topics because I do not understand the healthcare and the pharmaceutical industry and why it operates the way it operates. And I am so glad that we have a guest who's changing the rules in the industry. And they de define themselves as the people's pharmacy. So, Achelle, welcome to the program. Tell everybody who you are and what it is that you do in the world. Awesome, Allison, pleasure to be on the podcast today. My name is Achelle, um, I'm co-founder and CEO of Cabinet Health. And a little bit of background on me, I'm a third generation pharmaceutical entrepreneur. So hoping to spend some time today unpacking really that complexity you mentioned and uh, know that you're not alone and not understanding the world of pharmaceuticals and, and medicine. Fundamentally, what we're focused on at Cabinet is that we've seen a market where we know that our physical health is inextricably linked to the environment around us, and yet there are no sustainable options in the world of medicine. And so fundamentally at Cabinet, our ambition is to build the world's most sustainable healthcare company, starting with over-the-counter medicine. For us, what that means is providing the highest quality medicine that science can offer and the most environmentally sustainable packaging to our consumers in a way that's human, in a way that's personalized, in a way that makes them feel cared for. Excited to share more about what we do and uh, excited for our conversation today. Yeah, well, one of the things that I don't typically share on this particular podcast series is I have a son who has two autoimmune disorders and gets infusions every every six weeks. And so, you know, this area is really important to me about quality and, you know, just you see so much waste also in the medical and pharmaceutical industry. So I have so many questions I'm excited to ask you, but let's go back to your startup journey. As you said, you've had a long uh, family history and exposure to this space. But if I have this correctly, you started your company by just putting two SKUs on Amazon. So can you roll us back to the beginning on how you got started? Absolutely. So in the summer of 2017, um, my business partner, Russ, and I were really just looking at the broader over-the-counter market. Um, I'm a power user of certain allergy medicines for treating my own conditions uh, and just had this really uninspiring, disjointed experience of buying OTC medicines that wasn't reflective at all of the care that I got um, with the mother as a physician growing up. And what Russ and I were really wondering was, you know, can we launch a new unknown brand online? Will consumers actually be comfortable purchasing from a player that isn't one of these name brands that has been in market for 30, 50 years, spending billions on marketing? And can we activate our supply chain that has been built on 55 years of manufacturing expertise? And really the way that we did that was put a couple of products online. One was an allergy one and one was a cough and cold one uh, on the Amazon marketplace, really just focused on quality and affordability. And what we quickly saw was that that messaging was resonant with consumers. We were able to build trust by really just generating um, reviews quickly and then mm -hmm. talking about the broader supply chain accreditations. But I think what we learned really quickly and early on was as 
the two of us were managing every single customer inbound question, looking at every review, was that a lot of consumers, similar to the journeys that you know I've had as well, don't really understand the products they're putting in their body. Oftentimes, they were you know, buying the wrong thing altogether uh, and just had really basic questions about their medicine that humans shouldn't have. And for us, that highlighted this much broader opportunity where there's an opportunity to rebuild the world of medicine. Um, you know, At the time, we were just selling affordable, high-quality products, but the way we look at the problem set today is that the entire experience from buying your products to even thinking about it before that, how they're stored in your medicine cabinets, how you dispose them at the end of the life has a series of pain points that consumers face every single day. And fundamentally at cabinets, how to reimagine that end-to-end experience and, and rebuild it um, with the experience and expertise we have. This is why I love talking to disruptors, to just have a vision that you're gonna rebuild the world of medicine, to just say, this is our vision statement, this is where we're going, and then you know, do it. Clearly you had a background in this space that you, know, you knew you could responsibly develop the products, responsibly package the products and, and that. So you had a, lot, a really great start, but you still had to activate and do it. So let's talk about rebuilding this world of, of medicine. Let's just talk about batch level quality mm-hmm. testing and what goes into your products. Absolutely. So you know, as we were continuing to explore this space, um, obviously, uh, personally, had a very deep understanding of how supply chains work in the world of over-the-counter medicine. And for listeners who aren't familiar, most supply chains for our most common medicines are global. They're fragmented. Your medicine cabinet probably has 15 to 20 different manufacturers involved to even get you your basic remedies. And what that has created is this incredible level of distribution um, of where manufacturing actually is, and frankly, difficulty and quality controls. Um, When you're talking about 20, 30, sometimes hundreds of factories involved in a process to bring you a product, obviously understanding that it's safe, understanding that it's free of carcinogens, toxic metals, certain allergens becomes increasingly difficult. As we were building cabinet, we saw that within certain consumer groups, this challenge was particularly painful. Um, we have customers who suffer from celiac disease and are just trying to find medicine that's certified to be free of gluten. We have customers who are highly allergic to soy or other products and are looking for a way to verify that their medicine that they're taking to feel better doesn't actually negatively impact them. And uh, along that journey came across this opportunity to implement what we call batch level testing into all of our products. And so in addition to your typical regulatory and quality assurance processes that most medicines go through, we've actually had a third-party lab add an extra set of eyes on every one of our products at the batch level. And what that fundamentally means is that when you buy from Cabinet, you can be assured that a third-party lab outside of Yale has confirmed that every medicine that we sell is free of carcinogens, it's free of toxic metals, uh, and is free of certain allergens such as gluten, soy, that are particularly important for consumers to avoid. And really for us, the way that we think about that is we want to provide transparency in the ingredients of our products. We don't necessarily call ourselves a a natural company or a a clean medicine company, but rather we know there's a subset of consumers who need over-the-counter remedies, but want to ensure that they're safe for themselves and their families. And and we want to provide you information to make that choice on your own. Well, we, we talk a lot, I've, I've interviewed people who are in the food production business, and we talk about traceability 
of what goes into your food. And, and I think we don't think enough about the traceability of what goes into our healthcare products. And, and as I said, I didn't personally think a lot about it until I'm caring for somebody else that needs to worry about what they're they're putting into their system. But it's it doesn't end there. You are an a company that focuses on overall environmental sustainability. And you know, this is a, a stat- and I don't know where you pulled this statistic. It's on your website. And for our listeners, we do like you to know the website, which is cabinethealth.com. So if you're at a computer, you can pop over and take a look at cabinethealth.com. But you say there's 150 billion bottles of plastics from medications that go to waste. Is this every year? That's right. Every single year. That is insane. So, so tell us how you're approaching your packaging. Yeah, I think for, for us, it started with a really personal journey in this space where we launched our product focused on quality uh, and affordability. And as we are um, I'm today for the listeners actually at our production facility. As we started producing these products, we just saw the massive amount of plastic that went into every one of our own products. And you know, when you build a company in the world of pharmaceuticals or, or broader healthcare, frankly, you're given one choice to to package your products in, and it's HDPE or PET plastic. And as Russ and I really saw this. There's this incredible irony of building a healthcare company that's just producing hundreds of thousands of plastic bottles. Yeah. Um, and I remember really, really specifically when we were doing our first ever production run, um, my co-founder Russ was in Singapore where his family's from and he was calling me. Um, there's terrible pollution, smog everywhere at the time because of actually what we later found out to be plastic being burnt in neighboring countries and wafting over. And so we just had this moment of reflection of like, do we really want to be spending our lives contributing to this problem? Or can we harness the fact that we have these deep connections to the supply chain to build a more sustainable future in the world of healthcare? Um, fast forward a couple of years, and we spent the last two years focused on building packaging that is as shelf stable as a plastic bottle, but as compostable as throwing a banana peel in your city compost pile. And this fall, we're launching the world's first fully compostable packaging system and pharmaceuticals. What that um, you can imagine that is, is you as a customer get a series of glass space vessels that look nice in your cabinet. And every time you need to refill your starting with over-the-counter medicines and eventually moving into prescriptions and, and other remedies, you get a refill from cabinet in a compostable pouch. Um, really the intent there for us is we know that the plastic problem is, is very central for consumers. We know it's very central in the pharma industry in particular, but long-term we're thinking about our entire supply chain. How do we work with the factories that I literally grew up in to build more sustainable business practices up and down the supply chain? Um, and for us, as we build towards this ambition as a sustainable healthcare company, you know, we know that's provocative for some folks. We know that a lot of people don't even think about sustainability in healthcare uh, and part of our ambition is how do we start to get the industry, how do we start to get consumers to actually realize it's that there is a more sensible way to build in this in this world? Yeah, ha- absolutely. I I love everything that you're saying. Let's talk about the scale up of the company. You, you said your partners in Singapore. You are based. Um, Cabinet Health is based on the east coast of the United States and. Tell us how you went about once you said, okay, we've, we've, we've put our skis on Amazon. We've listened to the customers. We, we know we're onto something. 
How did you approach the scale up? Because my understanding now is you're an eight-figure healthcare digital brand. And how did you approach the funding? It's a great question. So for us, really, as we think about the growth of our company, there are a couple of levers that were available to us really early on, which is how do we just increase the number of products that we sell? So in OTCs, your average store actually has over 2,500 uh, over-the-counter medicine products. We don't necessarily want to create that level of confusion for our customers, but we know there are 15 to 20 different products that um, the listeners probably often have taken as well. Things that are remedies for allergies, cough and cold, pain relief. And so our first lever um, was how do we just add more products to our portfolio? Um, at the time when we launched the, the business initially, we were at our full-time jobs. The business was profitable from day one because we never really approached it as like a venture business. We never approached it as something that we we're going to go raise money for. Um, and so the first year was really just focused on how do we add more products, how we continue to make more money enough that we can feel comfortable transitioning full-time into growing cabinet. Really the, the second stage for us was as we added those products, we saw kind of around the same time, this opportunity to think about how do we invest in building more sustainable packaging? How do we invest in new distribution channels beyond just marketplaces like Amazon, but also building our own digital platform, mm -hmm. going larger enterprises, that way we can enact the change that we actually want to see. And at that juncture, we realized that raising a little bit of money, uh, building a team around us was really critical. Uh, and, you know, funny enough, our first investor meeting was in the dining room of a friend of a friend. And uh, Russ and I kind of joke about this sometimes. We had no idea what we were doing. We were we were putting together PowerPoint decks that were reflective of like our consulting careers and, and much less about telling the vision of where we're going. <laughs> um, but it worked out well. And, and we found some early believers in this ambition to, to rebuild the world of over-the-counter medicine. And, you know, since then, um, for a company at our scale, we've raised a, a modest amount of capital, but uh, really from impact investors, mission-focused founders, uh, and folks who believe in, in where we're going. And um, have been able to build a, a team around that and, and continue to grow our distribution channels uh, accordingly. Well, have you set up as a, a B Corp or are you just a, a regular corporation? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're a public benefit corporation and uh, we're a certified B Corporation. And, and really fundamentally what that means is legally, uh, as CEO of Cabinet, I'm obligated not only to have a fiduciary responsibility to create maximum return for, for shareholders in the financial format, but also think about the environmental and social impact of the decisions we make as a business. Um, it's something that has been really important for us from day one, you know, the way that we govern the business, the way that we think about our supply chain, who for me are literally family, the way that we think about the environmental impact of our products um, and actually not just thinking about it, but making decisions in a way that actually produce more positive outcomes for each of those stakeholders has been super critical. And, um, I think like many other businesses who are certified B Corps, um, we're very cognizant of the opportunities for improvement for us. But I think um, really fundamentally, it was important for us to you know, incorporate it as a public benefit corporation. Uh, and really what that's also done is set a signal to anyone who wants to partner with us, any of our team members, any of our investors, that we're not just looking at the financial returns of the company, which the pharmaceutical industry has been doing for, for long enough, but also the actual health and environmental impacts. So let's talk about marketing and, and your go-to market strategy as, as being a, a, a digital brand. Mm -hmm. How have you approached um, 
any paid ad placements or social media placements or you know how did you get this this word out and i understand in the early days it was it was very organic as as you were really listening and testing and evolving but now you're at scale how do you get the world to know cabinet because they need to they need to understand these good things that you're doing in the world Absolutely. I think one of our greatest lessons is that uh, marketing a mediocre or bad product is exceptionally difficult and it's an uphill battle. And so as I describe our marketing philosophy, Russ and I are not marketers in any way, shape or form. Um, We are absolutely obsessed with product and we are absolutely obsessed with talking to people. And so really what that meant for us was play to our strengths focus very, very heavily on building a better product first and foremost. We knew that our customers had fundamental questions about their medicines that weren't being answered. We know that people want an environmentally sustainable option in healthcare. And we know that there are consumers who really care about the quality of their medicine products. And for us, being able to actually grow and serve those consumers started with a product first mentality. I think that the second element of that is knowing what we're good at and what we're frankly quite bad at. And I think for us, you know, things that we're good at, we're very methodical and and knew where there was really demand from a search-based perspective. And so some of our early growth came from organic channels where it's like, how do we just build blog posts around what are the best medicines for me? Or like, how do I pick the right allergy medicine down to being in marketplaces where consumers are already searching for these products and letting the product speak for itself. And then I would say kind of like the third kind of prong for us was just being human. Um, you know, we launched this brand and earnestly like in 2019, we were selling for a couple of years before that, but a lot of our growth coincided with the COVID pandemic. And I think during that time, what we found is that we had thousands of customers um, emailing us asking like, can you send this product to my mom or my dad or my grandma, my grandpa in this, this location? And the way that we've built those customer relationships into long, long-term ones is just being human. Like most people can't talk to their name brand generic, name brand or generic medicine company. They can talk to cabinet. And you know, one of our greatest assets from a marketing perspective is just um, talking to our customers, being who we are fundamentally and um, playing to our strengths when it comes to focusing on product. Well, and I would say for our listeners, if you go to the website, there are buttons that say talk to the founders and you know there are different places it's not just like one place there's some places throughout so i can tell just from what you're saying that that you live this that it is it is real and i think you know i know i asked a marketing question and i think you gave a wonderful answer because nobody really wants to be marketed to for their healthcare products i mean we all laugh at the ads that we see on, on TV for pharmaceutical <laughs> products. And, you know, we're all like, huh, you know, those aren't real people. Those aren't real situations. And it's got a nice jingle. So I really love the down to earth vibe that cabinet has. And, and that if, as you said, if you are product obsessed, it can naturally come through. Let's, go into any other leadership lessons that you learned through this process, whether they're, I always call them naked truths, you know, the ones that are painful that you don't really like to talk about publicly, but are there other lessons that you would share or advice for other entrepreneurs 
um, that was a part of your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think like the, the first one I would share, which, you know, was surprising to me is, is, and, and this is less of a painful lesson, I would say, and more of something that I've been fortunate to have made, I think some of the right decisions around, but it starts with like never compromising on culture or personality. Like when you're thinking about building your team, whether it's finding a business partner or your earliest um, team members and employees. And uh, I think you know, Russ and I have known each other for over a decade. We've spent uh, years and years working on projects, being at each other's families' houses. And I think one of our greatest assets as a company is that um, we know each other on a personal and professional level better than anyone I will in my entire life. Mm-hmm. What that really set us up for was building a broader team that realized that that personal connection and that meaning in like the work that we do is really critical to how we build a cabinet. And I think it flows into every element of your business. Like when you have a culture of empathy and kindness and truly having each other's back and you start building a team around that, your product starts to reflect that, your digital experience starts to reflect that, your customers start to feel that when they are interacting with you and your your brand, your company. And so I think like the lesson there really succinctly is like never compromise on culture and make sure that you find people who that you enjoy working with and spending time with on a day-to-day basis because that manifests across across the organization. I think the second one for us is, you know, there was a period last year uh, during the COVID pandemic where we had just duct tape our supply chain together, right? We, we've never seen such... Um, an increase in demand so rapidly coupled with absolute um, supply chain nightmares where we're trying to get medicine flown in from India to package and then get to customers like as quickly as possible. And I think in those scenarios, um, just knowing that there is no, there is no playbook, there's no rule book. It's really just like focus on the problem at hand, do one thing really well every single day uh, and you work your way through it. I know there are a lot of corollaries in, in a lot of other businesses as well, but I think oftentimes, at least when I was building cabinet, I was looking for guidance on like, what's the perfect way to market a product or like, what's the playbook for like how you build an international supply chain. And wait, there's a lot of people on the internet who will tell you the three things you need to know, and it's worth $5,000, but you can get it for $49. I, <laughs> Lots of people. I have totally missed those. And so you know, it explains a lot about where our business is where it could be. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. no, I, I hear you on the on the supply chain real book. I mean, as you said, as, as you were coming up, COVID was probably both a, a curse and a blessing as you were growing your business. Um, and I could, I could see it both yeah. ways. I've interviewed somebody else who specializes in um, uh, international imports and supply chain and what they had to go through during this period to make sure that they could make things still happen. Um, that's a big challenge. And I think you're right. There is no playbook for that. There, there is no, it's tenacity. That's what it is. It's loving to solve a problem. Yeah. So here's my question for you as we, as we get ready to close. What is the vision? If we come back and talk to you in another two, three, five years, and you're on this path to rebuild the world of medicine, you know, what's the vision? Where do you go next? It's a great question. I think we look at this as a, a three-part journey. Um, the first is really focus on building an exceptional consumer experience around your everyday, everyday over-the-counter medicines. 
For us, that means providing the most sustainable, highest quality, and most personalized over-the-counter medicine and health essentials that you can buy in America. The second part of our strategy and our vision is how do we then take the trust we've built with consumers around this exceptional experience uh, and serve our customers beyond a pill? Um, for us, that means products, it means services, whether that's connecting you with an allergy specialist to understand why you even have allergies in the first place and how we can treat that together, or is just having someone to talk to when you're feeling a little ill with a flu or a cold and, and just want to feel uh, emotionally uplifted. The second part of our strategy is really how do we think about medicine beyond just those pills uh, and, broader, and provide broader care and services to our, to our customers. And then finally, the third part, as I really look five years out, is that at Cabinet, we're starting to build um, the most comprehensive understanding of over-the-counter medicine, how it works for different consumers, how it doesn't work for different consumers um, that you can imagine. And really what that means for us is, you know, in five years, we want to really couple our deep supply chain expertise with understanding like what consumers actually need today to build net new products and formulations. Most over-the-counter medicine was formulated based on clinical trials run on larger white males in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. The average user of these medicines looks a lot different, they weigh a lot <laughs> different, and they take a lot of different products, and yet we haven't actually addressed that. And so for me, long-term, if we accomplish our vision, it's building an exceptional consumer healthcare experience focused on sustainability, quality, and then ultimately building into personalized enough care where you have access to the services that you need, as well as the products that are personalized to you down the road. Thank you so much for sharing your, your story. If our listeners are interested, how can they find out more or how can they reach you? Absolutely. So our website's cabinethealth.com. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I love talking to people and I love talking to our customers. And so feel free to email me directly as well. A-C-H-A-L at wearecabinet.com. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or ways that we can get better, um, I'm all open ears. Well, thank you so much. And to our listening audience, if there is a disruptive or innovative CEO that you think we should be speaking to, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. And may I also remind you to pick up my newest book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me, Allison. Appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.